I'm Morgan Barnhart. And I'm Brad Acree, and you're listening to Underrated America Cincinnati. We started this podcast to shine a light on the gems of Cincinnati and show listeners what makes this a great place to call home. And why we're proud of our city. So we're going to highlight the food scene, culture, nightlife, entertainment, the arts, and everything that makes the city great. Especially the leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs who are making it all happen. This This is is Underrated Underrated America, America, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. We, a good time. We're having a great time. This is perfect. <laughs> yeah. So we usually would always have you start off with stating your name and what you do in your own words. Got ahead of ourselves there. Oh, yeah. Uh, my name is Wayne Mehmet, and I am the owner and head producer at Bombs Away Comedy. Cool. Um, so I also, <laughs> I also always like to jump in and ask for your Cincinnati origin story. If you're from here or not from here. What school did you go to? You yeah, know, it was the the go to question, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, I consider myself from here. I was born in California and moved from there, and then Utah, and then Grandma went into a nursing home. So by like three and a half or four years old, I was back in the region. So I've been here for my whole life. I claim Cincinnati. I hope Cincinnati claims me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> grew up in Madeira. Went mm-hmm. to Madeira High School all the way through kindergarten through the end uh and then moved away and went to st louis university for four years and then came right back and haven't left yeah so yeah it's a tough school to get into st louis university isn't it i mean it's just like xavier it's not like impossible it's more of like they'll let a lot of people in but it's the scholarship so i got a pretty good scholarship and i wanted to go away to school and uh fit well and yeah, so I studied Latin and political science. I was about to ask you what you studied. Yep, I, I was uh, one of the only Latin pe- people to graduate with a Latin degree from St. Louis University. I was the <laughs> second one at the time. There's been a few more since me. That's um, And political science, because I wanted to do something useful. And then I came back and got a master's degree from Xavier University in education. I taught Latin for seven years. So Wow, yeah. that's such a cool background. I feel like anyone that's studied Latin, they are just a perfect speller. Like I can't spell well, for shit. Or, <laughs> really or you can see a word and you know the definition, even if it's like the first time you've seen it because it's like yeah. got a base that's, in Latin. Yep. I'm good at grammar and language and things like that. And it that. helps with your writing probably tremendously, don't you think? It does. It helps me. I mean, as far as like Latin's very much a structural language, so it helps me like think about structures of jokes. Mm. So, not so much necessarily like finding new words. Not the all creative the time. Yeah, side, not, but not mm-hmm. the creative side, but the structural side is just interesting. Beats. Uh, a lot of like uh, Latin poetry is all about like the beats and the rhythm of the thing, and I think that that kind of goes into comedy a little bit. So, yeah, with the political science background, does your comedy like? Do you get into the political comedy or is that just something no. like, let's just not even bother with it? At no, this point? <laughs> I, I, throw, I throw jabs in there sometimes, but I try not to go too political. I like to, I, I just don't handle it very well. I just don't <laughs> think it's something that I've done very well with. If I, you know, I, it's not like strictly off limits to me, yeah. but um, I just, I, I don't like to want the audience to know what side I'm on and I'm not very good about hiding what side I'm on through my jokes. <laughs> and so, 
Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of kind of. I'm just... the same way with clients. Like Brad and I are in real estate, and I mm-hmm. when anyone talks about politics, I just uh uh huh uh huh uh huh. They I have, have a... they think I'm on their side. I could be. I could not be. Mm-hmm. I, I have literally a hard don't... time with that sometimes. Really? Yeah. Oh like, no, I stay far my away. Personality, like if you do any of those personality tests. It always comes back as like challenger. Oh god! Yeah, like, the guy, the so guy who can't like, so shut up about really his opinion. How do you feel about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they're what not what I would consider egregious, I can stay away. But if it touches something like a person's rights, then right. I usually have something to say. Right. Right. <laughs> I try to do it respectfully. I I but... agree with that. And, and, you know, if someone challenges me, I mean, I, in in real life, like I'll if someone challenges someone's rights, I'll I'll try to stand up for them. Yeah. That's rights, true. But... That's true. Yeah. There is a line. Okay. That's well, okay. Tell us how you got into comedy. So from Latin yeah. to comedy, what was uh, that path like? Yeah. So I mean, I was a teacher. I've always been into comedy. Like even when I was like five years old, people would ask me, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Like that kid, and I would say, "Stand up comedian." Like that's cool. That's I've always. I feel like few kids say that. Like that. That's even on their radar. Well, and this was 1990, so it wasn't even like. I mean, stand-up comedy was everywhere. There was, like, the boon of the 70s and 80s, but mm-hmm. this was even, like, during the downturn of stand-up yeah. comedy before it had its other resurgences. Mm-hmm. But I always liked stand-up comedy. My mom always liked it, so we would always watch it. And so that kind of never entered, and then I came back from school, and I was living in Madeira back at my parents' house, and I liked stand-up, and I was a teacher, but I had none of my friends had come back from college, and I was just kind of, like, looking for what to do. So I started going to Go Bananas Comedy Club and watching shows. Uh, and one day there was a guy there, his name's Gabe Kia. He's still a local comedian. He w- had just moved here from St. Louis and a lot of his jokes were talking about how he's from St. Louis. I was talking to him at the bar next door, you know, hey, I just came back from St. Louis, talk about St. Louis, same things, where'd you go to high school, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, after that, I was like, how do you do this? And he's like, you just sign up. I was like, well, where do you sign up? He's like, with me, I run the open mic signed me up and then that was it i came in and did a set a couple weeks later and after that it was it was on i just like kept doing comedy um yeah it's always driven everything i've done so i kind of why i got out of education is because i kept wanting to do comedy more and more and more but being a teacher and doing comedy like yeah you have your summers off but during the summer i had to be a server which was night work so like there's just a lot of big disruptions keeping me from doing comedy and so I uh, gave that up and worked at GE for three and a half years so I could have like a nine to five work from home three days a week, work from the road kind of job and did that for three years where I kind of built bombs away and did comedy. So it's cool that you just like basically <laughs> just made the jump. I feel like there's yeah. a huge buildup. I mean, there would be for me, there would be a huge buildup of having to like psych myself up to to jump into it. Yeah, it was more of an opportunity. My friend worked at GE and I was very stressed out from teaching. I was teaching six different classes a week, which was like most teachers teach one to two different right. classes multiple times. So planning for all those classes, grading, oh, I mean, yeah. I was spending so much time and I looked at what I topped out on my salary. Yeah, you're not there. getting paid six times. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, w- I was, I remember the number. I was making $32,000 a year oh. and I had private student loan debt that was $1,000 a month. So, I mean, I don't know if you can do math, but that's $20,000 to live off of for the year. So, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, it wasn't very good. And I looked at where I capped out at like 65000 I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. So, went to GE to just kind of have this great job it wasn't very difficult i kind of logged in i was 
low end of the totem pole, did my little spreadsheets, did my reports, had great bosses, loved my time there. Um, currently, I sell beer, so that's kind of where my day job is. Yeah. I think it's like a, a friend of a friend told me, it was like, oh, yeah, he works at Sonder. Mm -hmm. um, and literally right before I came here, I was looking out my office window and there's a Sonder truck right in front of me. I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to leave. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> yeah. oh my God, that's funny. Yeah, I work for Sonder. Uh, love it. I've worked there for three years now. I worked at Taft's before that for a couple of years. So, yeah, it's kind of all flowed together, but all of it kind of being driven by being able to do comedy and stuff. So while still having this like, other career that I like that actually pays the bills until this can pay all of the bills. Yeah. So now I'm recalling two shows. The first show that I went to, the first Bombs Away yeah. show that I went to was at Taft's. So that yep. must have been that connection. Yeah. Yeah. I was bartending at Taft's uh, while I was working at GE, trying to get into the beer industry. I'd kind of been taken away, loved craft beer. And I was like, I want to get into the industry. So I was bartending at the Bruporium when it opened up. My friend Andrew Rudick and I, who's another local comedian, were both bartending there. They had this big open warehouse, that back yeah. room. And I was like, man, this is perfect for comedy. And they're like, really? I was like, I mean, the ceilings are high, but everything else is perfect. Like, let's do it. So we started booking shows there. It could hold up to 200 people if we really packed it out. Wow. Taft's was like on board, bought stages, bought chairs, put up sound, put up lights. Like, it was a show that grew over time. Yeah. Um, and, and we have had like some really kind of big and Robert Kelly is a big comedian name that we had there. Stavros Halkius, who's like blowing up right now. We had there four years ago, Moses Storm, who's got an HBO max special, mm -hmm. like he, and, and on TV all the time, like he performed there. So we were very fortunate to meet a lot of people. And that was kind of the, the first, like where I was like, okay, I can see where this can become what it can become. Yeah. So that's a great segue into yeah, how did Bombs Away start? Yeah. It sounds like that is kind of like this semi-start. I'd like to hear how and why. Yeah. 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 It's actually a cool story. Uh, we have two. Actually, we have like three kind of start points. Uh, mm -hmm. So the first start point was there's a bar. It's now Northside Yacht Club. It used to be called Mayday. Mm -hmm. So one of its iterations was Mayday. And two guys, Chandler Deathy and Josh Maddy, both non-comedians, loved comedy, were producing open mics there. They just, two guys had a bug up their butt to be like, we want to do an open mic and they did it and they weren't comedians. So there's, they really got no value out of it. I know they weren't getting paid a lot to do it. <laughs> they just loved it. So comedians came up and, and we all met and loved these guys. They really put us up. Um, they started booking showcases. I started working with them to host because they weren't comedians. They didn't want to host. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll do that for you. Yeah. Worked with them for a while. A couple years later, they decided that they were done with it, wanted the brand to continue. Mayday was closing, becoming Yacht Club. Yacht Club was more music focused, didn't really want to have comedy, which understandable. You know, comedy doesn't work at a venue that doesn't want to support it. Um, yeah. So it kind of went on the back burner. I tried to do some different shows. They're actually some of my most favorite shows that I ever did. And then I was at the club at Go Bananas one day and I heard a bunch of comedians talking like, hey, like, Bombs Away Comedy was great. We should bring back Bombs Away Comedy. And I was like, I've been running it this whole time. I would love to have help. Please help me. I need help. And so we kind of got it started with them. People came in and out, came in and out. I was always the constant through it. And so I just kind of have taken it over. And through different venues, that was the busiest time for us. That's when we were spread out to our furthest. What year is that? Let's see. So I'm really bad at years. Yeah. We started in... 
I think 2012 mm-hmm. is when we started, but it's such a complicated timeline. Uh, Pretty much anything before COVID is kind of all blurred together. Now. <laughs> that's exa- yeah, that's, and that's, that's where we're getting yeah. for a bunch of years. We had shows at Listerman Brewing Company. We had shows at Taft's. We had shows at Three Points Brewery. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of really brewery focused, started doing some stuff at bars. And, and the last month before COVID, we had a month where we had 23 different events between open mics and shows and showcases and stuff. And that's kind of like where that model kind of end because I was at my wits end. Spread Mm -hmm. out too far, yeah. Yeah, the one blessing from COVID was it made me stop and like evaluate what we were doing uh, because it was not tenable at that point in time. Um, Then I also had a kid during COVID, so that kind of changed everything as well. Congrats. Congrats. Uh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, she's two, she's two years old, and Aww. her name's Eloise, and she's the light of my life. I, I love Eloise. <laughs> that was awesome. my favorite children's book. The, the Eloise, Eloise yeah, mm-hmm. in the hotel. She was like this reckless little kid that would stir up trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, we don't have that one at home. Yeah. My son's nine months old, so we're, oh, we're still building the He's, book collection. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, Probably a girl's book, but hey, he can, hey, he can he join can, in. Anybody can, can enjoy whatever. Anybody can, especially Eloise. We actually didn't find out her gender because we wanted like we wanted people to get us gender neutral stuff we didn't yeah. want to have any i think pink that's ribbons. cool so yeah that was kind of the first phase was with chandler and josh the second phase when when i was just like taking it everywhere and i think the model was to kind of go wherever and then during covid we had been doing previously a brunch show at the comet and we also did a speakeasy show down in the basement where it mm-hmm. held 25 people it was like super small and intimate and very fun and we didn't have a venue. I live two blocks from the Comet. I'm friends with Dave. I was like, hey, you've got this alleyway in the back, and it's a shotgun alley. It's got bamboo wall on one side. It's just the whole front of the four storefronts that the Comet's on, and it's all gravel. I was like, can we do a show back here? And Dave's like, yeah, I'll see why not. Like, mask, whatever. So we followed all the precautions. The show held, like, 25 people. We did it once a month, started selling out. It was called Comedy in the Grotto. Um, we did that for two years and like it's developed. Dave has a giant, beautiful stage back there. I, you know, like it's, we've done a lot of work to make it a really cool venue. And I think now they're starting to use it for music and stuff like that. Comedy doesn't ever work great outside. So we've kind of gone back to inside now. Now we'll see what happens with the current rise of the flu and everything else. But, but we're inside for now, uh, in that side room at the Comet. And once we were kind of in March when we saw that COVID was kind of done. Uh, we were like, hey, can we do this weekly? And can we do the show called Helltown? And Dave was like, let's do it. So we go on before music every single Saturday, 730 to 9. And uh, we started in March. And the past eight of them have been, for more all intents and purposes, sold out. Uh, we've had like 45 to 65 people in that side little mm-hmm. room at the Comet, like packed to the gills. And it's... It's been the most successful thing that I have done with Bombs Away Comedy is the show Helltown. There's been a bunch of great stuff in Cincinnati. So Motor has comedy all the time. My friend Carl runs that and they do shows monthly called Motor Mouth. It's the longest running showcase in Cincinnati. Um, There's the best open mic in the city is at the Hub, which is down on Main Street. 
Lee Kimbrell runs that. It's every single Monday. It's kind of like a very respected open mic, like people traveling from out of town to do that open mic. So there's always been tangential things, but the initial vision was a large group of comedians under one name that could add some credence to the shows, regardless of which bar, brewery, restaurant, coffee shop, whatever it is. If people saw that logo, they They knew knew it was was like a good comedy show. That's smart. Yeah, because sometimes you go to open mic and it's like amazing. Mm -hmm. And other times you're like, what just happened? What did I just experience? But in your opinion, how do you think the Cincinnati comedy scene stacks up? Because I truly feel that most of it is just unawareness because yep. I, when I, I live in Mount Adams and yeah. I started going to Hi-Fi. Oh yeah. And with Jack Snodgrass. Yes, I love that place. I love Jack. I'm so uh-huh. sad because he like, I think he's stu- he's not hosting anymore. He moved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so sad. Like going there mm-hmm. and you, when you actually meet other comedians, it's such a cool, like it's such a cool community because they're very helpful and they're very, like, I feel like it's there. There's a sense of togetherness. And yes. then, one and they're very welcoming too. Like mm-hmm. even just me. Like I started, I literally started to try to write jokes. Embarrassingly, yeah. I, it was so fun. But yeah. like, I don't get how you guys go from like an I joke idea. I'm great at joke ideas, but taking a joke idea and then like actually writing it mm-hmm. and then let alone performing it. I think the hardest part for me was like taking the idea and then like making it something that you could get up there on stage if right. that you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah yeah yeah. so like I, how do you learn that well it's all voice I'll, the the biggest way is like comedians that hang out so you come out you do open mics you hang out with comedians you keep telling these jokes people hear these jokes they hey hey why don't you try it this way like mm. working on it together it's always an evolution so a joke's never done until you record it for a comedy special for like netflix a joke's not done mm-hmm. so there's like cheat codes you can do like just beats and structure and different things about like hidden reveals. Like you don't want to give the audience too much information until they need it. I always try and start from the punchline. So a lot of what I do is uh, I'll have like a small experience of like, okay, there's a funny punchline and then I'll build out maybe based on real experiences, maybe fabricated, not so much. I don't really do most of it's kind of embellished at masks, but yeah, that's kind of, uh, I always tell people those stories that you tell your friends all the time, the ones that when you and your friends from college or high school get together and those like crazy stories, you start there and cut out everything that's not needed. So yeah. write out the whole story and then figure out where's the biggest laugh and then get to each laugh as fast as possible with as few words. And you're probably on the right path to writing a joke. And then there's the other side where the people's brains are wired this way, where they can just write those like, dad style jokes the setup punchline the quick ones my brain's not wired that way like i that's not how i write i'm not very good at those types of jokes but there's a lot of people that that are good at those yeah the reason why like i never left cincinnati is because it's always been that it's always been welcoming we have people that are big comedians we have people that have made it work from cincinnati but the scene is interesting because we're not a giant city so there's not too many of us that there's competition we're not New York, Chicago, L.A., where everyone – there's a new crop of comedians moving in every single week. Mm-hmm. So we have, like, a crew. You know, there's a crew of, I would guess, 50 of us that are all kind of, like, really tied together. And each of them have, like, maybe another three or four. So, you know, I would venture to say there's probably, like, 70 to 80 comedians that can do a funny five to ten minutes on stage in Cincinnati right yeah. now. So I think because of what Cincinnati is – and it's 
kind of difficult to leave for a lot of us. There's a reason why we're all here. Uh, I think that's kind of why it's grown. And I think with also geographically, when you're coming up in comedy, you need to be able to go to other cities and build fan bases. And when you're out West, it's three to four hours to the next city. Mm -hmm. But like Cincinnati, like Lexington, Louisville, Indianapolis, Columbus, Dayton, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, all of them have comedy seats. Chillicothe, Ohio has like a bustling comedy scene. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, so like there's all these little scenes that they have bars that fill with 55 people, 60 people. You show up, you make a couple hundred dollars to headline. You get to get better at doing 45 minutes. That's kind of how you come up. So Cincinnati is a good hub for a lot of like Midwest regional comedy. What's your favorite neighborhood in the city? We like to kind of like figure out where you like to hang out, what you like to do in your free time, which yeah. is probably just giving shows. But like <laughs> when you're not on stage, um, what do you like to do and where do you like to be? So like I love Cincinnati. I wear like a badge of honor. Obviously, we live in Northside for a reason. Yep. We bought a house in Northside. I love Northside as mm-hmm. a neighborhood. I like where it's progressing. I could see where it can go to become better, but I still love the neighborhood. Um, higher gravity, chameleon. Second place, Littlefield, Gulo Street, like those are the Comet, obviously, are, are all my haunts. Neighborhoods outside of Northside that I love to go to, I love downtown. So, mm. like, I sell beer downtown, and it's not just Vine Street and Main Street and OTR, although I do love those. Like, I love downtown as a whole. I love walking around downtown. I love all of the restaurants and the food that in the bars and the little alleys and the little spots. I like that he said downtown as a whole because a lot of people are like otr or well they're some like, people say downtown and they mean otr too and right like, that's not downtown yeah that's there's right. a big it's a big area down <laughs> yeah. there that's right. cool pendleton seems like they're having a little struggle getting people up there these days which is is worrisome to me but i love love pendleton a lot i love taking my daughter down to the banks robling suspension bridge is like my favorite landmark in cincinnati so anytime i get to go down there and hang out down there the rooftop bar at the AC Marriott downtown is like such, I mean, it. if you go to the banks and you're like, man, this is way too crowded, just try and go up to the rooftop because it's never as crowded as you think it's definitely yeah. going to be um, when I go up there. I keep so. hearing about this and I'm like, I forgot the name of it. So it is Marriott. Yeah, the, the AC cool. hotel right down there. Big fan of the banks, the central business district. I, I just... the giant building i just i love downtown that's awesome tokyo kitty is one of my favorite spots to go to i love karaoke so (laughs) that's fun (laughs) i think there's probably a correlation with stand-up comedians right yeah i think there is like all of us would rather be just doing karaoke i think (laughs) (laughs) that's funny the the most exciting thing that has been um proposed and there's no solid plan to do it is to put a like deck over Fort Washington way, uh, oh. the highway right through downtown. So they could, they could actually build buildings that are up to four stories tall if they uh-huh. cap it. But you could also, instead of doing that, do like park space. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. I know about that. That would be yeah. very cool. I hear cool. more about that. That would be very yeah, cool. Yeah. When they build it, they set it up. They, and there's a story behind it. Like, they almost lost the opportunity to do it because of funding, but they set it up where the the cap could be added to it. And that'd be a game changer because it'd connect 
banks and downtown, and downtown. more yeah. yep. uh, uh, closely. And then obviously the development from OTR is coming up, you know, right. Court Street and continuing. Right. And um, then going into the West End. And, yeah. Yeah. I'm always like on the fence with development as far as like downtown, like as long as it's done without kicking people out or displacing 100%. people. Like right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for development because you have to have development, especially in a growing right. city like mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Like we're trying to attract people to want to come here and these businesses that want to come here and they want to attract top talent. You have to have a cool city to live in. Yeah. Like you just have to have stuff to do. You need to have like things that are small, like small impact events. Yeah. And I think that's what comedy does a lot for a city is develops those small impact events at the right bars and restaurants and breweries that kind of also support those events. Yeah, that's a super good point. This is Morgan Barnhart, co-host of Underrated America and loan officer with Cross Country Mortgage on Team Barnhart. I offer a wide range of products to help you and your families achieve all of your home financing goals. I believe the mortgage process is about building relationships, not just completing transactions. I will advise and educate you to make for a stress-free and smooth loan experience. Connect with me on Instagram at mortgageswithmorgan for more information and a free consultation. This is Brad Acree, co-host of Underrated America and realtor with Better Way Home at Keller Williams Advisors Realty, where I help Cincinnati move confidently. If you are considering a move, you can get more information at mybetterwayhome.com or find me on social at Better Way Home. Yeah. What, one of the questions we like to ask our guests is what do you think is kind of like the biggest misconception about Cincinnati or even tell us like what you tell comedians like who doubt Cincinnati? Like, what do you mean Cincinnati? You know, yeah. what are some of the things you tell you people who have who've like never a, been? You have a unique kind of role in this because you get yeah. to talk to people that are just passing through. They yeah. Didn't, they didn't plan on being in Cincinnati. They got booked. It, yeah. They, they're like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I have to drive from, I have to drive from Louisville or Chicago yeah. and I'm off on Saturday. So yeah, I'll stop by into your show. I think, uh, I think one thing and, and we'll get to political is that people think that Cincinnati is the rest of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yep. and, and Cincinnati is not, we've been gerrymandered to have representation that, uh, doesn't represent the people that live in the city center of Cincinnati. Like we're a very progressive city. We are electing leaders that are driving the city into a future. And what I think strengthens Cincinnati is that we do have an old school conservative bent to us in the suburbs, which kind of help rein in that like unchecked progressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's one of the biggest misconceptions. I also think that like Skyline Chili stunts, like people just like you say Cincinnati, and I love Skyline to my core. I will claim it forever. You have to now. I have never, I have never had Gold Star Chili, uh, so I can't tell you which one I like better. Oh, really? I am a, I'm a Skyline person through and Uh through. Um, Sorry, Gold Star, if you wanted to sponsor me, I mean, maybe I'll try it. But uh, (laughs) one of the things that people are always surprised about Cincinnati when they're driving here is, and this is people that live in like Colorado, like comedians from Colorado, the Pacific Northwest and stuff like that. They're like, oh, like, I thought this was the rest of Ohio geographically, like just corn. They didn't expect like the lakes and the rivers and the like rolling hills, the, the rolling hills and the greenery and all that stuff. They're like, it's like a mini version of some of those like natural cities the cities that you would expect to go to and you know we don't have like giant national parks that are have the you know we don't have the grand canyon or whatever but if you're an outdoorsy person all seasons you can find something to do in and around cincinnati it's not the best you're going to do of any of it but it's always you know it's a good version of it yeah Yeah. 
how do you see the city evolving in the next five to 10 years? We'll make a two part question. How do you see the city evolving in the next five to 10 years? And what do you hope to see in the next five to 10 years? I see a bunch of neighborhoods, even Deer Park and mm-hmm. like Redding, like those places, the property values, like people are starting to move into those areas because like, you know, Madeira is basically sold out I, for, yeah. for lack of a better term. That is like where we don't have anymore. Yeah. Um, so people are, that's kind of, we're on all purpose. full here. Folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? That's kind of on purpose. Yeah. Madeira is like, Oh, I know. we're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the schools are packed. I yeah. just had, we went there for St. Nicholas night on Monday because we all grew up there. And, yeah. and that was the thing is like, where all these kids come from. Like, it's a great cow. neighborhood yeah. for sure. Uh, wonderful neighborhood. But I think that a lot of these other neighborhoods are going to start getting discovered. I think that as people in the bigger cities realize like, oh no, like I could make my dreams happen in Cincinnati and the cost of living is a fourth of what it is in New York. And I can have a house with a yard. So like, I think that more of that, like as long as we keep going in the way we're going, it's going to happen kind of slowly over time. I see the downtown center getting connected all the way through. The one thing I hope that they do is I know that I'm going to get reamed by some people about it and praised by others, but I hope that the streetcar can find legs to expand through the rest of the city mm-hmm. or some sort of rail system can happen from up Central Parkway, up through the west side, up Coleraine Avenue, up through the west side. Agreed. Uh, up Vine Street as far as it goes, up Columbia Parkway or, or, you know, or Madison Avenue or something all the way up to Madisonville so that it's much easier to get people down because that's what we have to do. Yeah. Uh, Think uh, about all the college students that could have access. That brings so much more business. Like, right. You know, well, and even people who are living in those outer areas but working downtown and right. have a hard time affording parking or their car breaks down yeah. or whatever, like give them a way to get down here. I mean, honestly, if I went to an office downtown and I could like go hop on a train that wasn't like a complicated bus system, like if I could just hop on a train that was on a rail, went right there on scheduled stops. Because the bus system, the problem is, is it always gets stuck in traffic. So it's never yeah. it's never going to be able to run on time. It's hard to live and plan around that. But if you have this train that's just like good to go, you hop on. It's like, oh, I got 30 minutes and you just do work. You hang out on the train like it's your your time changes, your time use changes of it. We need to make this downtown city and the neighborhoods more accessible. Like yeah. it, it, can't, it can't be so blocked off. So ultimately connectors but you have the trains running then you can run connectors between so i think mass transit in the city needs to happen that's what's going to help continue to draw people to the city yeah that's the one thing we always get dinged on every time we're trying to get the world cup one of the biggest dings was our infrastructure for mass transportation mm. was not yeah i mean unless you want to pay 300 dollars for an uber ride that weekend because <laughs> yeah. you know or whatever yeah. that weekend is like that's Ooh, just that'd be insane yeah. right i mean so we just that's what one of the things we always get dinged on I'm curious, does Bombs Away, are they ever available for private events or do you, do you have, oh yeah. yeah, okay. I mean, so we, we recently became available for private events more so because I think that there's a, a desire to have that. Also because I think there's a lot of really bad comedians that are getting booked for private events <laughs> and I am seeing the, and there's people that like, 
they just people just lump comedy together. Yep. And yep. they're like, oh, I saw a comedy show at my work party and it sucked. And it's like, yeah, um, they probably paid like three thousand dollars for that guy, or you know, like some crazy <laughs> amount. So again, trying to do for private events with comedy, what I've done for like public events with comedy, where it's like not take advantage of people because they don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. and actually bring and produce a good product. As far as have we had any like bad ones yet? We haven't actually. Um, we haven't had any. We've only done two private events and they've both been fantastic. They were just like house shows that were 45 people and everyone was Fun. there ready to laugh. Like people were way bought in. What um, the event was it for? Was it just like, hey, I've got, I'm going to invite like 45 a... people over and have a show at my house? Or One was that. One That's was badass. very much like, I just want to have a comedy show at my house. I have this backyard. Can we do it? And I was like, yeah, here's how much it would cost to pay everybody and pay for my time. And, you know, it's a pretty fair rate. And he's like, great, done. Here you go. I've got a pretty uh, good backyard for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then I usually use local comedians so we don't have to worry about travel and all that kind of stuff to make it all affordable. And then another one was a birthday party. And it was like for a 65-year-old. And she one of the filthiest jokes that we could give her and That's she loved awesome. it and it was just it was so much fun <laughs> That's um, great. would you take a gig of a private event where you have to like roast the hoster or something like that where Ro- they're just like here's my background just like cut into me or this person or whoever that would be difficult to do uh sounds like he wants the punishment yeah <laughs> uh, i could do. definitely come do one and i could roast you and have other comedians just tell really good jokes um uh roasting is a difficult thing to do yeah. uh from a lot of different angles but a private event, yeah. If you want me to make fun of you, I'll gladly come and make fun of you <laughs> yeah. for half an hour. I've got pretty thick skin. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Right? I love it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm curious. Who are the local comedians that you're really yeah. excited to see yeah. develop their talent? I'm, I know we have a lot of yeah, a lot of talented people here. Oh, man. I don't want to. So I'm not going to. I don't want to leave people favorites. out, but I'm not. But I, I, could, I have thought about this, and there are some people that I think are like, putting in the work, not just being funny on stage, but also kind of outside of stage. So the two kind of the top level people that most people probably have even met or know, but Lee Kimbrell and Rand Barnaclo are two of the people that live here that are touring with comedians. Like Rand is touring with Chad Daniels right now. Uh, Lee tours with like Rocky Dale Davis and a bunch of other people throughout. And they're both like just, doing the work, but incredibly funny, show up and deliver different shows every single time. Love the the whole thing, everything about stand-up comedy. So those are two people that I'm like, I'm very excited to see what their next step is because it's going to be national, semi-national notoriety. Cool. The other, other people that I'm really excited. So Zach Wyckoff is another guy. He's won the, the funniest person in Cincinnati two different times. He's incredibly just cute and funny um he runs a a semi-regular show called late night revelations at revel with david shimasaro but zach's just one of those people that he always makes me crack up i love watching him i never miss an opportunity to see him other people that are kind of up and coming a little bit more harrison butler he is most notably known as uh, one of Cincinnati's biggest Bengals fans. He lives and dies Cincinnati Bengals. He's also a very good newer comedian. I don't know how long he's been doing it, but it can't be more than four years, I don't think. But his just energy on stage is just so positive and very funny, very approachable. I'm I'm excited to see him like 
just get better. Uh, He's very good as it is now. I actually have him booked for two shows in December. He's performing at Helltown, and he'll be at Queen City Radio as well. And then two folks that moved to Cincinnati from Pittsburgh, and both are incredible just people, and I've become very good friends with, but Osha Dwyer and Garrett Teitelbaum, um, they're together uh, their their boyfriend girlfriend oh, cute. Uh, operate separately they're like osha is her own comedian garrett's his own they're not like always booked oh, together I figured, yeah that would yeah, be no, interesting okay. yeah they're just uh, both comedians that are a couple and they're again jokes are so funny their energy is so funny their life experiences are different than a lot of other people they always do a good job so again osha just shot a comedy special a couple months ago so i'm excited to see like what happens with that when it comes out that's and all awesome. that stuff so and then one of the other like real young ones i don't know how it can't be more than a year but a woman named allison stop is like so very funny and she's got a again like a a drier sense of lower energy but just the way she delivers her punchlines and her jokes like always cracks me up and i've then, met allison she is she is <laughs> she's funny in that dry sense right. yeah you're right so those are all people that i'm just like that's awesome kind of excited to see where they grow and there i could go on and on i could name more and more people but those are some of the people that i, I like booking them a lot i like seeing them i'm excited to be on shows with them yeah and if anyone's listening to this and they're disappointed that, that, that you didn't mention them, just remind them, I book you on shows. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I like what I'll you're doing. I'll still pay you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. I can't uh, imagine like a couple being together that are both comedians. I, I guess I could see it working well because maybe they can take each other's crap a little bit, but yeah. also maybe like pretty difficult. Like, can you just not right yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that they, I, the way that they, they're all, when they, it just seems like a fun, loving relationship. Yeah. So I don't feel like there's too much like crap given. I yeah. think they just like have a really one of yeah. those like fun relationships. Awesome. Garrett and I have become very good friends because we're both into jam bands. So we go see music together all the time. <laughs> so awesome. And Osha's like my wife and she doesn't like it. So we're both <laughs> taking them to a jam band show on New Year's Eve. <laughs> what, what show? Goose. Goose. Oh my night. gosh. Yeah. yeah. I saw Goose in um, Chicago for New Year's. I think it was last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, to wrap up the show, yeah. we have one final question. Oh yeah. Yay. I was going to forget it. Good job. <laughs> this is the question I always ask. So well, we have to, <laughs> yeah, this is the one that we have to ask. I know, and it it's a little bit tricky. If you could describe Cincinnati with one word or a phrase, what would it be? And I'll give you some examples. Okay. One of our guests said we have welcoming talent, talent, catalytic, catalytic. Brad's favorite. Oh, that's favorite. a great catalytic. Yeah. Uh, you're okay. Someone you actually, the, the Latin background, someone, you might come up with something really someone good Someone said here. underrated, and we both laughed because we're like, yeah, that's yeah, our that's show name. Yeah. And then after the show, he's like, <laughs> and he's like I forgot. Oh, I totally forgot, yeah. I'm like, that's so, perfect. That, that means on, we're on yeah, something. Yeah. It, we've had like people do phrases like down to play or... Yeah. Someone copied the Bengals line. It was like, come see us. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I would say approachable. Oh, that's yeah. good. Uh, I would say Cincinnati super approachable, both for like tourism. So if you want to come and visit, like we don't make it difficult for you to find the highlights. Yeah. You, you ask anybody that lives here what I should do. They're going to list five of a group of 15 things that you should do. Yeah. But then there's also enough that like, your cool friends will know of like these other things that you can do, but there's not too much that all of it gets lost on each other. And if you live here, it's like you can afford to live here for, yeah. for now. I mean, 
uh, you can afford to live in a lot of different neighborhoods. While we do have those posh neighborhoods where it seems unapproachable, usually the neighborhoods that surround those neighborhoods are very approachable yeah. and able to live in. And I'd say like we still have like a good blue collar background to us, but we do have that kind of downtown kind of civic lifestyle the you know the the f fancy people that like to go to fancy <laughs> parties and whatever you know so like we kind of have all the amenities for a lot of different people yeah so yeah, for approachable, awesome. come, come approach us. That's dog. an app. <laughs> come approach us, <laughs> dog. Word. No, we need to do that instead of approachable. It's the the phrase "come approach us, dog." Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it. More well, formal, come at me, bro. Yeah, come yeah. at me, bro. Come, come at us. Come, come, we can come handle approach it. us, you gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Okay, well, you've been such a pleasure. Yeah, I honestly. Awesome. This was, I think, our longest time talking, and I don't want to sure. stop. Yeah. Like, we still have questions, but this got to pick up the Yeah, yeah, we have to release Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced and recorded at Play Audio Agency. You can subscribe and follow Underrated America Cincinnati wherever you like to get your podcast. If you'd like to keep in touch, check us out on Instagram and YouTube. You can find links to all of our socials in the show notes. Most importantly, please share with anyone who would also enjoy Underrated America. Until next time, we'll see you around Cincinnati. Lovers or haters, come up and say hi. We dare you, Brad? No, I mean, I don't think it was important.